With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We welcome in both Chris Schmidt and Gary Sharp into the show. Let's start off Whoa. with Schmitty. I know Gary is going to be in and out of here. We got to get him out. Schmidt is somewhere in Denver International Airport. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing all right. Thanks for uh, letting me sneak away. It uh, was an interesting landing, is the way I'll put it. The guy said it was going to be choppy. The guy being the pilot, and it was a little choppy. United. To the, the United. Offense. No. Similar Southwest. to the offense. Yes. Similar to the offense we may see in Indy later. So. Hmm. Um, huh. Hey, that's how is I- everyone. That's the popular flight to go Omaha, Indianapolis, or Omaha, Denver, Indianapolis. Yeah, I know exactly. Like, and we were talking about the benefits of living in Nebraska, that not being one of them, right? Logical flight connections and paths, that is definitely not one of them. Hey, I, that's why I they have my they have a lot of for this winter yeah. direct flight down to Phoenix. Great, I don't have any layovers. The only problem being it leaves at five thirty in the morning from Omaha. Mm-hmm. But hey, you got to do what you got to do. That means you're teeing off by noon. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been on that flight to go to the guaranteed rate bowl, but. Yeah, could have been. Hey, and with you in solidarity with this, with the skull cap, the beanie right now, Gary, like it is a gray skull cap kind of day. And we, we, you know, we found out that Gary has to get out at eight 50 today. That sounds like a hard stop, which a little sad because kind of got accustomed to story time with Gary and overtime, but like, I guess, you know, that's just what we I have promise. To do. I promise next week we'll go extra. Well, Gary, okay. you're, you're in Lawrence. I saw you on Twitter last night. I went to the uh, UConn KU game last night. I can barely hear. I'm being a little sarcastic. It's the loudest college basketball game I've ever been to. Wow. Yeah, I bet. Only to be usurped tomorrow by Nebraska and Creighton and Lincoln. I hope so. It's safe to say biggest game in Fred Hoiberg's uh, history. Not that it's going to change the season because I think everybody wants to look at the next four and go, man, if Nebraska go two and two, three and one, man, they're really good. I think you need to stretch it out and go the next eight and add North Dakota, South Carolina State, Indiana, Wisconsin. The next eight are going to tell you everything you need to know. But the place is angry tomorrow. Because just think about this. You could wake up on Monday morning, Nebraska basketball is 8-0, and for two straight years, they have beaten two Creighton teams who one got to the Elite Eight and the other they think is one of the best teams that they've ever had. I, I mean, it's it's a huge day tomorrow. That place will be rocking. But it's kind of like that proof of concept for Nebraska. I think they'll be about a two-point underdog to kind of now get a sense of, okay, they've played a schedule that they can afford. Now they play somebody with a pulse. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to be a great game. Gary Sharp with us on the weekend edition of Hale Varsity. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to touch base with you, Sharpie, and great environment you were in last night. I think you're right on with what tomorrow is going to be at, at PBA. Uh, fans are, are ready for something good, aside from volleyball and mm-hmm. basketball. Could that could give that to them. It Tony was White. good. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh, it was good news for Nebraska with Tony White. What was your threat level 
with with White maybe not being here next year? Uh, out of a scale of one to ten, a three. So here's a couple of things. Here's a little backstory here. So they've encouraged him to interview. Um, I believe that we're going to find out that they started the contract process shortly after they flipped the calendar to November, realizing what they had in place, that Tony wants to stay here, his relationship with Rule. Now, remember, here's the, here's the thing that even adds more to Tony White, is all of the hires on defense, except for Tony White, really are Matt Rule's. You know, Tony White came yeah. in, and they were like, hey, I got this guy named Evan Cooper. I got Terrence Knight, and I'm bringing them with me. Oh, by the way, there's Rob Dvorak. Once the Panthers cut him loose, he's going to be your linebacker coach. Tony White didn't blink an eye. He's like, you know what? I'm going to coach up the coaches. They're going to coach up me. We're going to coach up the players. That was pretty impressive. So Tony has a special relationship with Rule. But there, it's real that he wanted him to interview for jobs. And the San Diego State thing was more to go through the process of this is what's, what it's going to be like when you want to be a head coach. This is what they're going to ask you. This is what you have to be prepared for. You're probably not going to get it because they want desperately to go offense, which they did. And I think that's a good hire in Sean Lewis. Now, the, the USC thing, smart move by USC. You've got a guy that's got connections to Southern California that, that is, on, is trending now of orchestrating good defenses. And he's a, a hot commodity. So why not kick the tires and see if there's interest? And he listened, but there really wasn't going down the path of, okay, now this gets serious. And you mm -hmm. saw what a mess it was the other day on We Are SC. When you have two writers fighting, that would be like Siffle and Gascan <laughs> fighting with each other, okay? And we all sit, we all grab our popcorn and go, wow. So yeah. I think as this went on, and, and Tony was pretty upfront with Rule and, and everybody else that, hey, you know what, I want to be a head coach someday, but it's got to be the right opportunity. But I like what we have here. And I like being at the University of Nebraska. I like the relationships with my coaches. And then once, uh, you know, once we got past Wednesday, and then the deal was announced yesterday, I think it's fantastic for him because it's well-deserved. But I will also tell you, we can see the physical part of what he was able to do with this defense, and they've got to make that next jump next year. But here's what you should really understand about Tony White. He is very humbled that now he makes $1.6 The highest-paid defense coordinator last year in college football, Jim Knowles, Ohio State, a little over 1-9. Tony White basically saying thank you to everybody yesterday, and he put out a tweet. Not one of those pictures – was him that tells you everything you know about yeah. the kind of guy tony white is yeah go for it Garrett. oh oh the weekend edition hail varsity radio sharpie uh, en route from lawrence i am at denver international airport headed to the big 10 championship game why Elijah, why you have yeah. a better chance of scoring than iowa does <laughs> Only ponder that. Um, <laughs> kidding, sweetie. <laughs> kidding, uh, kidding, buddy. Um, no. You know, when we talk about Nebraska and you laid out the the, the, the pros of, of Tony White and the continuity that's big, Sharpie, the, the next topic is portal. And wanted to get your take and feel on uh, quarterback appetite for Nebraska, how um, – how hard they're going to go after a portal option, who would be a fit that's out there, you think? And also that, that Chubba reality of what his ceiling could be. Uh, there's a lot in there. So uh, I heard Elijah, Mark, and Brandon talking about portal quarterbacks. I believe this is – I don't know anything inside. This is just my gut. Nebraska will be very, very quiet in the portal. 
and they will not be as active as you think. They're, they're going to get a quarterback, but I don't think they're all of a sudden going to add six to eight guys. But any quarterback they're going to pursue will be very quiet. I know Will Howard's a popular guy. There's a lot of names that are attached. I, I, I've said it'll be not a splash guy, but a guy that has a connection. That is somebody that is a game manager, that is an accurate passer, or has ball security. Will Howard would be the dream because that would be a seamless transition. But he only has one year left. And yeah. listening to Rule on Wednesday, man, guys, I've kind of changed a little bit. He's big on that second year. You know, some of Nebraska's portal guys last year were okay, but you're thinking, man, another year than the guys on the defensive side of the ball, like a you know, like a Sherman and a Borders and even a Collier, maybe they 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 they, they pop. But correct me if I'm wrong. Did you get the impression thinking about thrown away for two years. Purdy really wasn't developed even in the spring because of all of the, you know, all they went with Sims that Chubba Purdy is definitely in play to be the guy in 2024. I may have misread rule, but listening closely, there was just something that said, uh, I think we want to see what we have with Purdy because he has a high ceiling and we're nowhere near it. Yeah. I, I got that same impression, Gary. And I don't think that he wants to throw Harburg out with the bathwater either for the reasons you mentioned. And that's the first time we've heard out loud it acknowledged, at least that I can think of. It talked about the kind of the level of dysfunction that was happening at Nebraska prior where he's like, Harburg wasn't even allowed in the meeting rooms yeah, that's as insane. a quarterback, which is like, think about that. Like how just toxic of an environment is that when a scholarship quarterback from in-state is banned it's, malpra- from, it's malpractice. It's it's unbelievable, right? So, and by the way, he kind of looks like it. He kind of looks like yeah. a dude that didn't get a, a a full allotment of development, right? That's kind of what you yeah. saw with him. But you see the raw tools. The guy's fast. He's big. He's strong. He has a strong arm. It's not very accurate. But yeah, and, and he didn't read defenses great. Well, he wasn't allowed in the damn room. <laughs> what do you expect? What do you expect? So I I agree, Gary. I think he's. I think rules a little more bullish on what he has than maybe what the rest of the fan base is. Hey, let me ask you something, Elijah. So I, they're going to get a portal quarterback. So d- don't, don't everybody start blowing up the stream about this is crazy, but Elijah, don't you think if, if you said, Hey, how are you developing a quarterback? And you're like, well, you're not going to develop him once the season starts because we're getting ready for a game that if you saw where Harvard and Purdy were in the spring, to where they were in the fall, you could make a case that, yeah, I guess they kind of they were a little bit better than they were in the spring. You could make the case. You could make the case, <laughs> and not a huge, not a huge jump, but that's what would be their rebuttal to. Oh my gosh, you got two guys, you got three guys that had no progress. They don't, they don't look. Get rid of them. And there's a comment I need to go find back in the uh, the stream yard just about the importance of. Here it comes from Dion because I have a, a bit of a bone to pick with this one. He says, guys are overrating quarterback coaches. These quarterbacks are worked with and go to camp since they were eight years old. By now, what you see is what you get. And I think he does make a point there in that these guys are further along in their development by the time they are 19 years old, by the time they're going off and becoming freshmen in high school, than guys that you'd say are on the offensive line, guys that are wide receivers, guys that are defensive linemen. A lot more development to be done on those guys. But to say there's no development to be done in your college quarterbacks, I mean, look at Will Howard. I think he's a great example of a guy that showed development through his college years. He was a guy that they brought in Adrian Martinez because they weren't sure what they had in Will Howard. They didn't think he was the guy after uh, a good amount of time as their starting quarterback. You bring in Adrian, 
Adrian plays well, and he goes down with the injury, and Will Howard comes back into that, and you saw the development from the season before up until the point when he came in yeah. after Adrian, and it might not be with the arm. It might not be the accuracy of their passes where you see a big jump, but you see that processing. You see their ability to read a defense. That's where a, a quarterback can really show that development through college. Hey, maybe they're not adding 20 yards to their deep ball. Maybe they're not showing more accuracy on the, the deep out routes, but where you really see it is that processing ability, that ability to not turn the football over, and that ability to run an offense. There is development to be done. Yeah. It might just not be in the same way that you see it on other positions where it's Physically, these guys are maturing, and physically, these guys are showing dif difference. It kind of is that that processing power to me, and what the the ability to to quarterback is, if you follow what I'm saying. Yep. You get two examples last night, fellas, in the Pac-12 championship game. Guys that stuck around got developed in college after kind of being those phenoms to noticeable talents out of high school. And I know Penix is a is an example because of his partnership with DeBoer, but also Bo Nix. I mean, he kind of got run out of Auburn, also had okay. some injury issues, but both those guys are uh, case in point, glaring examples of what Elijah's talking about. If you get yeah. the right development in college with your quarterback yeah. coach slash OC, that's what's next well, for Nebraska, right? That's the question mark. Well, Can Nebraska get the development with what they've got now? Well, I think there's two things here. I think there's being a quarterback, and that is all the mechanical stuff. And then there is how to play quarterback. And that's the next jump that Nebraska needs is who is there to teach these guys how to read, recognition, all of that kind of stuff. Because how to play quarterback is going to be the next step at Nebraska to get them where they want to go. Like when you, when you have a play at the end of the game on Friday against Iowa, you see that linebacker or you see somebody at the next level where Jalen Lloyd is streaking down the field that you burn the top off of things and you're able to throw it there. I, I think that's the – is Marcus Satterfield the right guy to teach guys how to play quarterback, of read, recognition, get the ball out quick, decision-making, get in and out of the huddle, all of those kind of things. That's the next step. Not, okay, now this is where your feet are supposed to be. This is your arm slot. I think it's just the simple part of playing quarterback, of recognition, going through your reads, being mm -hmm. comfortable, trusting what you're doing, running the right play – all of that stuff. That's the question that needs to be asked. Is the right guy able to teach all of them and also balance together a game plan from week to week? Gary, before we get you out, I know you're up against a hard break here. I want to get your thoughts on the weekend of sports. First conference championship weekend. What games are you watching? Do you have any upset picks for the day? And then tomorrow with Nebraska Creighton. Uh, first of all, yesterday was the best Big Ten championship game we've ever had. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> By the way, I can't, I can't believe what the guy in Indiana said. He's about to find out that there's reality in the Big Ten. But that's okay. He got people fired up. It's the offseason. Um, I think we'll be okay today. I think Texas will roll to make a statement. Um, Florida State could be in trouble, which opens the door for a little bit of uh, chaos. How about we have this? How about Georgia beats Alabama? Hmm. Florida State gets beat. Um, and, and then you come down to kind of a, a maybe a Texas and a Ohio State possibly, but I don't, I don't expect a lot of chaos today. I hope the playoff will be a lot of fun. And then tomorrow, um, I like Nebraska by a late bucket tomorrow hmm. at PBA. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Gary, appreciate you joining us today, man. Hey, I uh, promise we'll go, uh, we'll go later next week. We, uh, there'll be seeing, there'll be things in the next week. We'll, uh, definitely we'll have to talk about this will be, uh, this will be a, 
there'll be a couple of news items this week around Nebraska football. Will Nebraska have a portal quarterback by next Saturday? Uh, I don't. We might have a name, but I don't think officially. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. There's your teaser. There's your teaser. I know. I know. Pick, pick your guy. There's only 60 guys out there that could be <laughs> options for Nebraska. Gary, point. have a good trip, all right? 